You are listening to the One of Us.net Podcast Network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you are interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of Us needs and appreciates all your support. The name, like, the Umbrella Academy, it feels like it's a show that should have come out in the 80s on, like, Hanna-Barbera or something. The Umbrella Academy! The screen that comes in and out is, like, a transition point type thing. Like, you know, goofy superheroes. They should have interacted with Space Ghosts and Dino Mutt. But no. This is actually an adaptation of a comic book by rock star Gerard Way. On its second season, which it's Netflix, so don't expect a fourth, but hey, we'll probably get a third. It's been a huge hit for them. Season one critically came to mixed results, although no one really hated it per se. They were like, yeah, man, that's kind of where I lay on it. It was like, yeah, I liked it. Second season is having a very different result, and we will talk about that here. And who will I talk about it with? Well, I'm Chris. Who do I got with me? I got Marco. Hello. I got Danny. Dog it. And I've got Jordan. Hello. So I know I was excited to see if they could adjust some of the things that I thought slipped a bit from season one. Basically, on October 1st, 1989, 43 women across the world gave birth at the exact same moment, despite them not being pregnant before that. Seven of these children are adopted by eccentric billionaire Sir Reginald Hargreaves, played by Calm Fior. He turns them eventually into a superhero team that he calls the titular Umbrella Academy. He gives each child a number rather than name, but eventually their nanny robot names them all. Six of the children work fighting crime. One of them, Vanya, played by Ellen Page, who was definitely the big celebrity get for the show, seems to not really have any powers of her own, and Reginald tries to keep her away from him as well. So we know that's the premise. Then it went to present day. Luther has had his body replaced with that of an ape, which was done by his dad to help him survive after he was an astronaut for several years and his life was in danger. So now he's got super strength. Allison is a famous actress. Vanya is a violinist. Klaus has a drug addiction. Ben is deceased. He died in between the beginning premise and where the show really picks up. Uh, He's a ghost and he can only communicate with Klaus, whose ability is to communicate and in fact make corporeal the dead. Diego has become a vigilante. They all get back together because the dad has died and they gather for his funeral. But number five, who has disappeared long beforehand, but now appears where he's been stuck in the future for 45 years, but mysteriously in the body of a child, even though he left the future as an old man, comes and says a global apocalypse is about to happen. I've been living in the post-apocalyptic world all this time trying to find a way back. His power is to jump through space and time. Apparently he had some difficulties there doing it, but he's like, we have this much time and only we can stop the apocalypse. That season ended with... And this is where we go into spoilers for those who haven't seen the first season, but not for the second one, where we find out Vanya actually is the most powerful of all of them. She can turn sound waves into energy, and she is the cause of the uh, sad apocalypse that's 
going to happen. Well, they managed to escape using a time jump, but at the expense of the world, which indeed ends due to Vanya. And they end up in 1960, in the 1960s, I was going to say 63, but the truth is the time jump scatters them all over the space of three different years, getting there at different times, with Five, the time jumper himself, being the last to land, who appears in 1963 with Hazel, who played one of the hitmen who was chasing them in the previous season, saying, hey, um, yeah, the end of the world now happens now, and they watch the Umbrella Academy all fighting versus various people and Soviets only to see nuclear annihilation happen all around them right before five jumps out and back a few years and having to repeat the same thing guys i know you haven't seen me for a while and i know i have to gather you all from the disparate places and stories you've been living but the world's about to end again and you need to get over your shit and get together this is in some ways plot wise not that far separate from what they tried to do in the first season but I'm definitely going to say I think they smoothed out the rough edges this time around. Does Ellen Page count as a big get? Yeah, yeah. most definitely. Oh, it's, like, it's like the following. Like, we got Kevin Bacon. Can you believe it? It's like, well, yeah, I can. Because <laughs> the first season of the show, they don't really utilize her at all. So it's like, is this really a big, big get? But here in the second season, I'm not impressed still, but she's really good in the season. I don't think she's like a A-list movie star. I, I think that's part of the reason she's kind of moved to television. But I think she's a fine actress with a lot of charisma. And she definitely was the most famous name that they got for the show, which is why she's a big get. And much like in the first season, the story, when it revolves around her, is totally separate from what everyone else is doing and is a budding romance story that features her devoid of powers. My main two issues with season one have completely vanished here, and that was the inconsistent pacing and some of the clashing of the different tones. I really did like Vanya's story here. Well, yes, I'll, I'll be an easy mark. Yay, queer representation. With the first season, she was still living the lies like, oh, I'm nothing special because I had my emotionally abusive dickhead of a father keep telling me that over and over again. We're still talking about Vanya, right? <laughs> yeah, well, now she's got her own... Yeah, right. Now she's got her own emotional difficulties because she has. she's the one person who went back with amnesia showing up at the small farm and literally has no idea who she is. She just thinks she's a normal person, but that itself is pretty traumatic. She's once again dealing with trauma. Exactly. I absolutely love the cast. I'm a big fan of the original comics by Gerard Ray and Gabriel Ba. It's one of my favorite non-big two superhero properties and was very happy with what they did with Dallas. Now, this is a completely different story since they used so many elements of the Dallas storyline, even last season, but what the story they did here on its own, I think is great. The first season, I thought Jared Way was actually more involved with it because there's at least a good amount of scenes that play out exactly like MCR music videos. And then reading about the second season that it was actually Steve Blackman, the showrunner, that took a lot of the ideas from the comic was like, hey, what if we change them that way? The last season seemed like I wanted to like it a lot more than I actually did at the end of it. It seemed kind of messy. This one is just really streamlined for the most part of everything. The narratives are tight, a lot tighter than last season at least, and you have a payoff for everything pretty quick. 
I agree. I think part of the reason is, and I read a thing about this today, they apparently looked at the last season. They took very seriously what complaints there were. And one of the big ones was, this is kind of messy. It feels a little loose. It feels overlong. And they said, we're not going to do any hour-long episodes. We've shortened every episode to around 45 minutes instead of a full hour. And it worked, I think. Allison's story next to Vanya is the most captivating. She had her, like, throats last. Towards the end of the last season, she couldn't really talk. She's a black woman that just suddenly got time-traveled to Dallas, Texas in the 1960s, and it leaves her even more voiceless. And I thought her arc, dealing with the man she got together with, her husband Ray, was a very interesting story. Well, it was well-timed, considering they certainly didn't start filming it before the big BLM movement went crazy recently. And I also really liked the actor that played her husband. That was Yusuf Gatewood. Everybody has their own story again, like they did last season. The Seance, which is Klaus played by Robert Sheehan, who's, I would say, for, like, fans of, like, superhero TV is a big get, because he was one of the big stars from the British show Misfits. Which was amazing. But he can make the dead, he can talk to the dead and make them come to life, and he has sort of accidentally fallen backwards into starting a cult of devoted followers. awesome. (laughs) which is kind of awesome. I completely agree. And once again, the one member who had died earlier, he's still there. That's Ben, the horror who can make Lovecraftian tentacled creatures erupt from his torso to do whatever he wants, which is a really terrible power on the list to have, I think. But a real hit in Japan. (laughs) (laughs) Played by Justin H. Min. And they, their relationship is a major part of the story for this season as well, because they figure out Ben can possess him when he, when they both agree to it and then space boy which is luther number one played by tom hopper he is now in the 60s working for jack ruby and he's like a pit fighter a boxer and that all ties into the story for diego who has always been a little crazy and has decided that he is going to stop jfk from getting assassinated and because of this he has ended up in a psychiatric institute but a lot of these stories all converge on jfk is going to be assassinated That's one thing I also really love about season two over the first, how everything really did blend together. With season one, everything did come together, but it was a bit messy in how they did it. Again, just tonal pacing issues all over the place. Those are pretty much gone this season. And another thing I I was really glad to see more of from season one was Kate Walsh as the handler because she is just so damn extra. I fucking love her. They found a fun way to bring her back. In this season, definitely the primary antagonist. Now, that being said, the story of the commission ends up tying deeply into where the show is going to go from here and to their antagonists. But the one thing I will for sure say worked better in the first season than this season. Last season, they had Hazel and Cha-Cha with Mary J. Blige playing Hazel's partner, Cha-Cha, chasing the team as assassins working for the commission. And they were great. They were one of the high points of that whole season. Here, the are not here. Instead, they've got a trio of largely quiet Swedes, and they're not really very interesting at all. <laughs> I was happy to see Cameron Britton, who does play Hazel at the start, so I was like, oh good, they're keeping him around? No. I missed the chaotic energy that was Hazel and Chacha. The show is missing an element when they don't have those two characters. You basically have a corporation that's like affecting the world. But with those two, you got to deal with the grunts. The entire first season is just Hazel complaining about how he doesn't get benefits. They don't get hazard pay. That was all, like, fascinating world-building to get. And here, we got a, a fish 
and that's pretty cool, I guess. <laughs> but the first season, we had a talking monkey. You got to jump higher than that if you want to do this. I mean, technically, the monkey's there. <laughs> yeah, he is there. <laughs> but not, not really a character this season. We got baby Pogo, and I'm happy. So we did sacrifice that element, but in doing that, we also got stronger main characters. Like, the first season, the show was doing that thing of, well, nobody can get along, families can't get along. And this season was the other side of that, which is, you know, families do still come together, though. Some do. A lot of mine will probably never see each other again. Thank you, Trump. Anyway. <laughs> well, that's West Virginia, East Virginia stuff. Don't worry about it. No, not West Virginia, damn it. What <laughs> website do you think this is? We are from this point on going to discuss this in spoiler terms. We'll just do a couple minutes of that and then we'll go to final thoughts. I do want to say that this ending is very reminiscent of the ending from the previous season. I mean, in general, there's a lot of, oh, that happened last season. Five, once again, trying to get the family together to avert the, apo avert the apocalypse only he has seen. There's a dance party break scene where they all decide to dance and it shows all the places they're dancing. It ends on a time jump. It's got lots of expensive musical cues with great songs that they choose. Yeah, the one consistent thing is that the soundtrack from both seasons is fucking phenomenal. Especially using Major Tom, which is like a deeply underrated song. And then, as I pointed out, Ellen Page is sidelined again without powers for most of the season, left out of the events occurring to most of the other characters for sake of romantic storyline. But the questions that we're ending with, okay, so they go back to the future, and they're like, wow, the Umbrella Academy never turned into a thing. Instead, there's the Sparrow Academy. Ben is alive, Hargreaves is alive, and there's another group of students there who we don't see who they are, probably because they haven't cast them yet. <laughs> oh man, the poor extras they got to do the stand-ins farm boy harlan who is the kid from the show who they saved towards the end we know he has powers what does that look like in the future we also know reginald is in fact an alien monster which i suspect we already suspected <laughs> and there's something going on on the dark side of the moon which is probably nefarious lila who we know is one of the who is the love interest for diego and the adopted daughter of the handler, Kate Walsh, we know that she's pissed off, but now knows she has powers and she has disappeared in time somewhere. What will happen to that? And the real question is, I can't wait to see what Klaus's cult looks like now. <laughs> it's Scientology. I actually cheered at Ben's big moment when he helped save Vanya. You cheered? I cried, you monster. <laughs> I, no, no. Okay, I was crying, but I also cheered like, yeah, Ben, he's fucking awesome. And I really did like the actor, and I was very happy when they announced, oh, he's going to be a regular now. Because of the way Constantine ended, where it was obviously set up for a second season that never happened, I'm a little bit perturbed with the season ending that way. With Corona and everything, it might not get a season three. And it's Netflix, who's literally part of their programming tactic, is to end shows when they're at their height of their popularity. That does have me worried. And I that's why Daredevil is a perfect show, because it only had three seasons. We just need one more season, and we're good. We don't need any more. Why do you gotta make me sad about Daredevil again? <laughs> Man, Ellen Page was a homewrecker this season. She was, man. I was kind of like, I am all for the pro-gay storyline. But I was kind of also feeling a little bit bad until he turned into a dick. The dad of the family going like, that dude has been like really nice. You know? <laughs> <laughs> 
and they're just like, fuck that guy. The moment he's like, you know, it ain't natural for you to do. I was like, yeah, fuck you. I can't wait yeah. to see your when head. They, when they gave him that line in the second to last episode. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's like, it's not till towards the very end where they need you to go, oh shit, we should have the audience not like this guy. We spent all season making them like him. And they we're like, oh, we got to be clear. He's a bigot. They're all eating breakfast together and like he's realizing, huh, this person's always here. They're really close to my wife and my son basically sees her as a father figure and she's wearing my shirts. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I can't stand it. I gotta fix the autism out of this boy. Even though they don't say autism, it is very clearly the boy's autistic. Trust me, I should know. They actually don't bring that up till real late in the season as well. So I'm like... <laughs> I mean, considering families back then, how old was the kid? He, he made it pretty far. I don't know, like nine or something? Yeah, usually by then, <laughs> they put a needle in the in the nose and scramble the brains. <laughs> <laughs> the final showdown, the big battle at the end, is pretty damn awesome. I love that they use Lila for the big surprise. Like, how is this going to be even a challenge? Like, yeah, you got hundreds of people. Yeah, we've got the white violin. And this is, I mean, she blew up the moon last season. This is not going to be exactly hard for her. And sure enough, it's not. But then Lila steps up and goes, oh, I'm sorry, what did you say? <coughs> and I thought that worked out well. I liked that number five found out another element of his powers because it's always been a little like, okay, he can space jump, no problem. Time jumping is really wonky. And they've led up to little hints on the way, like what he's doing wrong and him going, yeah, the problem is you're being a little too aggressive with your time jumps. Think about it more like doing it bit by bit instead of all at once. And I was like, okay, that was cool. And they earned a way to do the whole, oh, everybody's dead. Now they're not. And they earned that. Yeah, I the thought. writers were playing Overwatch or something. I fast paced through the episodes this weekend. And then today I was rewatching them and some of the parts. I didn't know that Lila is basically rogue and can steal powers. When she fights number five the first time, she's already space jumping. And I didn't pick up on mm. it the first time I saw it. My last spoiler thought is that I also really liked that with all the time travel, they actually did allow Luke for a moment to like have his rebellion against Reginald just to have that catharsis he never got to have to be like, yeah, fuck you, dad. Was it a rebellion? <laughs> it's just the equivalent of a two-year-old taking their clothes off and stomping on the floor. Hey, that means something to Luther. He was, he, he got stripped off to the it, Really? Because it meant nothing to that guy because he was like, oh. Well, <laughs> well, well of course awful. it didn't because he's a emotionally stunted, abusive asshole. Well, he's, an alien. he's a little more than that. <laughs> Look, at this point, I think I'm like, I'm not excusing being an emotionally stunted, abusive asshole. I'm just saying he is, but not in a human way. He actually probably has a very good reason for acting like an emotionally stunted, abusive human. And that reason is probably nefarious. So I'm going to give him a pass. Well, let's go to final thoughts. Marco, why don't you go first? Because unfortunately, you got the least to say on this one. And I, I'm going to give you a little bit more room to say what you want here on your final thoughts because of that i'm just going to quickly drop that my favorite storyline was actually diego he has like the basic batman daredevil archetype but it's shitting on that kind of person in the real world watching that play out this season was pretty awesome like hey man know your role kind of for the most part I had a lot of fun this season. Probably rate it four out of five. I'm hoping season three happens. I think we all are at this point. Danny? Well, guys, I read the comic for this, and it sucks. And uh, this show <laughs> uh, took these interesting character designs and turned them into fully-fledged characters. And for that, I'm pretty happy about it. 
Uh, this season's a major improvement on the second one, and I hope we get a third one. I'm going to give this 8 out of 10 more scenes Ellen Page got this season. Jordan. Season 2 is a huge improvement over season 1 in so many ways. I really did love the characters. I love the arcs. Production design and music are also just spectacular. I'm in love with 60s designs. The arcs for Alyssa and Vanya were really good. The best silly thing was Klaus and his attempts to just be like, oh, hey, I started a cult. I want to get away from these assholes now. <laughs> I'm going to rate this seven out of seven surprisingly good ska covers of a Billie Eilish song. That was a real surprise. That's what my wife was saying. She's like, wow, that must have cost him a lot to do this. I mean, it's not the Billie Eilish original, but even a cover... And it's not bad. I'm like, it isn't bad, is it? I love the score. I mean, right from the first season, I went, wow, this is getting some great songs. The production design is terrific. It's got great casting. And the conceit is wonderful. It's too bad it's kind of boring and plays so strictly by the rules of this type of television that it feels like Marvel TV did it and are just following the formulaic rulebook that they were falling into with their Netflix shows. It really felt like that. I was like, yawn. But season two breaks out of that. While it still reuses some of the same general plot and character threads, it does it in a much more efficient and effective way. I actually grew to care about all these characters this season. I actually grew to be really interested in what was happening in the storyline, what's going to happen next. I think this is a significant improvement on the first season, and anyone who was like, meh, about it should really seriously consider giving the show another chance. I think you could probably just start with this season, because it, you know, <laughs> when it's a Netflix show, it always starts with a previously on... And you kind of get that little preview of the original season. But I'm going to give this 8 out of 10 things I can't wait to see happens with the commission with Herb running it now. Yeah, my boy Herb! Woo! I was actually going to say your recap was longer than Five's recap at the beginning of this season. (laughs) 